this is real, right? This is real as it gets. When we talk about money, I mean, I could preach about healing, I could preach about faith, I could preach about parenting or marriage or relationships, and I'll hit some. But when I talk about money, I'm hitting about 99.9% of the people in the room, right? Because we're all dealing with this. It's real to all of us, and we all, I mean, how many have a job that you work at? Yeah, why do you do that? I mean, some of you love it, but you need some money to have in your bank account, to take care of your family, to do the things that you want to do. Um, and so this is as real as it gets, you know, when they were sharing their financial blunder, and we've talked about this before uh, in conversation, but I can't remember if I've shared this up here before. Well, our biggest financial blunder, Katie and I were young, we were married, um, we were young, we were young, and so we were out shopping at the mall, uh, and because uh, you can do that when you don't have kids, and we were out shopping at the mall close to Christmas time, and we kind of decided that we deserved a good Christmas. Um, we didn't care about anybody else. We were talking about us. Like, and so we decided on the spot, we were in uh, one of those discount stores, Banana Republic, and we decided on the spot to apply for a credit card and to treat ourselves. And, but, you know, there was a crazy sale. I mean, they had these amazing clearance things. And so, I mean, we were being a good steward, and so we dropped $700 on a credit card that day and walked out the store with a great Christmas. And then we paid on that card for years. Um, I'm guessing everybody in this room, does anybody else have, just to make me feel a little better, if you have a great financial blunder story, could you just say yes, yes? Yeah, yeah. people raising two hands, that's good. I appreciate the transparency. But we're not alone in this. You're not alone. You shouldn't be beating yourself and letting the devil beat your brains out on this. It, this topic for me is, is a big deal, largely because I have personally felt the pain of poor financial decisions and poor financial planning. I've avoided those calls from creditors that keep coming through on the phone or the cell phone and put my head in the sand until multiple accounts are going into collections and having to deal with all that. Um, I've had to load my kids up and go for a sleepover at grandma's house because the electric got cut off and we didn't have heat at our house and it was cold outside. I, I've had the experience, these aren't things I'm proud of obviously, but I'm trying to keep this as real as possible. I've had the experience of waking up to an empty driveway because my car was towed away and repossessed in the middle of the night. And I'd like to make excuses and rationalize out why those things happened. Oh, we were young and didn't know any better. I'd like to say, but we had emergencies, real emergencies, things out of our control, and we, we needed the, we had to do that. We didn't have a choice. I'd like to make excuses and say that, you know, nobody taught me how. I could even blame that, right? I could blame that on my mom and dad or the church should have taught me better how to manage my finances. I'd like to do all those things, but the truth is I did know better. Come on, guys. Finances are not that complex. I mean, there's not a long list of 100 things we got to do. Stay out of debt, put God first, and live a generous life. I mean, that's not that complex. But the hard part is that we are bombarded constantly with lies from the enemy that keep us from stepping into that financial freedom that God has for every single person in this room. 
See, some of you, you've believed that lie, that no, he's talking about other people, but you're always going to be paycheck to paycheck. You're always going to struggle. But that's a lie. And the devil's constantly barbaric. Let me, let me just call out a few of these lies. L- lie number one. You know what is a lie? The church talks too much about money. All the church wants is my money. Some of you have said that. Some of you have heard that. Some people knew we were launching this series and they didn't come today because the church talks too much about money. And it's a lie from the devil. And this is how it works. If the devil can convince you that the church talks too much about money, that all they want is your money, so he convinces you of that. And then anytime money comes up, whether it's from the pulpit or in a small group or in a conversation, anytime it comes up, you're already chewed up to be offended. You're straight up offended. And so how's that work? When you're offended, you can't hear what God's saying about your money. You can't hear the truth. And so you're able to continue sticking your head in the sand and living in denial and never facing the reality of where you're at or where the answers are to the life that you're living, the bondage that you're experiencing. You know what the truth is? What if, what if we all started declaring this truth, even as you're inviting people to this series? Yes, I just encourage you, invite people to a money series at your church. What if you started saying, I wish my church talked more about money. Church doesn't even talk enough about money. I know so many people that are in debt up to their eyeballs and the church needs to talk about it because they've got the, the market, the monopoly on the truth of God's word that's gonna set us free. What if? Just thought to, Drop in there. Let's see here. What's another lie? Um, that money and things can satisfy me. And, and I know you don't believe that lie. I don't believe that lie. I mean, of course, money and things can't satisfy us, right? I mean, we got a God-shaped void in our lives and only he can satisfy us. But somehow we can still walk out after this church service, get in our car. That's not exactly what we want it to be and say, in the back of our mind. You know, I believe what that preacher's saying in there, but I still think if I had a nicer car, like a brand new car, like that one over there, yeah, like, oh yeah, like that. If I, I think that'd probably make me happy, at least a little bit happier, right? But it's not, shouldn't surprise us because we're bombarded by that in the media, in our social media. I mean, we don't even have to wait. It comes straight to our phone, the news and the marketing that says more stuff equals more happiness, right? But it's a lie because God is the only source that can satisfy our souls, amen? He's the only source that can satisfy our souls. I was listening to a podcast this week, a multi, multi-millionaire. He was on this podcast because he'd just written a million dollar check to a nonprofit organization building schools in a third world country for kids. And he was talking about all his rich millionaire friends who most of them have everything, every expensive thing money can buy. And most of them, the large majority of them said are miserable because they believe the lie that money could fill a void that only God can fill. Now this last lie, It's a pretty big deal because we believe the lie that says my money is my money and I can do whatever I want with it. I mean, and that doesn't sound so, I mean, it's mine. I worked hard to earn it. How many, you work some hours every week, right? To earn that money. So it's, it is yours, right? 
And see, this lie feeds that first lie because if the devil gets you to believe that uh, the church talks too much about money, that feeds this that, well, yeah, the church talks too much about money. You know what? The church shouldn't talk about money because it's my money, Johnny. It's my money, Johnny. Don't talk, don't go up here in my face in church and be talking about what I should do because it's my money. I worked hard for it, right? But guess what? It's not your money. God owns it all. Naked, you came into this world, and how are you going to leave it? Naked. Don't think about the preacher naked. Don't do that. Don't look, look at anybody else. I have fun in church. Come on. If I get you laughing a money message, I'm doing good. So let's keep this rolling. It's not yours. You are not going to pull a, uh, a U-Haul behind your hearse when you leave this world. It's all his. So how, how do we overcome these lies? How do we shift our perspective and our belief and our behavior so that we can break free from the bondage and step into the freedom that God has for us? Well, we've been talking over these months, uh, well, this first month of the year, and, and God gave Pastor a word. He said, there's a timeless pattern that Jesus walked out, and we see it all throughout the scripture, a timeless pattern to pray, to fast, and to give to pray, to fast, and to give. It's a timeless pattern. And if we want to step into this prophetic word that God has given this house, right, that God is going to take the limits off. Everybody say, take the limits off. And if we want to step into that, we're not going to do it without operating, living in this timeless pattern of prayer, of fasting, of giving. How many, God did some pretty amazing stuff over this 21-day fast that we all did at the church. Yeah, God speaks. When you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. And I believe wholeheartedly that the majority of you sitting out here in this congregation, you want to give. You want to bless the kingdom. You'd love to be that guy that writes a million-dollar check to your church. But the reality is that too many Christians can't give because they're too locked up, bound up in bondage to be able to do that. And so this series is designed to begin to shift our thinking and not just our thinking, our behavior. And so that's what we're going to push in on today. The first A in the ABCs is that we've got to change our attitude about money. Look, look at somebody say, you need an attitude adjustment. Just tell them. We, we've got to change our attitude because if we don't change our attitude, nothing else is going to change, Right? We've got to make a decision in here that we're going to change our belief system and our behavior that, goes, that, that flows from that. There's a great verse in um, Chronicles. Let me get to it. They got it on the screen. First Chronicles 29. Listen to this. This is talking about attitude, right? David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord. Everybody say yours. Y'all with me or not? Everybody say yours. Oh, good. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything. Everybody say everything. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. 
Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. Where's wealth and honor come from? From him. Wealth and honor come from him. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give thanks, give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? See, why do we have wealth? Why does he give us honor? Because there's a purpose attached to it. That we can give generously, live generous lives, not just financially, but generous with the love of God that people are looking and hungry and desperate for. We've got that. We've got to give generously. Then it finishes out and it says, everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Wealth and honor come from him. And some people hear that and they're like, well, he's reading out of the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it says money's the root of all evil. Guess what? That's another lie. Another lie that the enemy has put on believers to say money is the root of all evil. It's not money. The verse is in 1 Timothy, and it is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, is what the Bible says. God doesn't have any problem with you having money. He has problem when money has you. When you love money more than him, when you love money more than people that he's called you to serve and to give and to bless and live generously alongside. But he has no problem with you having money. He says wealth and honor come from him. And that was David's attitude. Everything belonged to God. Everything came from him. All thanks he was giving back to God and he had this recognition that it's not mine. What if that was your attitude? What if that was my attitude? Not just sometimes, but we lived in a constant state of recognition that it's all his and it all comes from him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know. Let me back up. I know a lot of people who live there. Chad and Jenny Webb, there's, there's two of them, since they were just standing up here. They live there with that attitude and that mentality. They live generous lives because they know that everything they've got, God has given them to be a blessing to others. And I'm sure you know a lot of people too, but I know a lot more people, unfortunately, who live their lives according to the lies that the world has given us instead of living their lives based on the truth of God's word. And see, truth has the power to transform us, right? But guess what? So do lies. So do lies. And that's why so many of us get led into bondage because we believe the lies. And that's why don't miss a week of this series. Don't miss one night of those Wednesday nights because it's, you didn't get there overnight, right? So we're not going to get overnight. We need some repetition of the truth of God's word to set us free. And there's this verse in Romans 12 too. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, Amplified Bible. And it says this, it says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by, re by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So that, everybody say, so that. 
so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for your life. So we've got to change our attitude. That's where it starts. It's your financial freedom, my financial freedom starts here, not, not here. Not with the number of dollar bills in your wallet. Your financial freedom is not about increasing your income. It's about changing your mindset. Just like Chad said, they got all that money coming in. Whoa, man, look, we got all this money. We'll pay off our bills. But they didn't change here at that point. And so their behavior continued to lead them right back into that bondage. They were still believing lies that credit was okay and interest wasn't hurting them instead of realizing the truth that, you know what, when you have interest, every time you see the word interest, you, you just should say somebody else. Because when you're paying interest, you're paying somebody else. You're not paying off whatever you bought and whatever you're, like I was paying on $700 worth of clothes. Those clothes were long gone when I was still paying on that credit. God wants to lead us into a freedom that many of us have never experienced. Some of you are sitting here and you have that financial freedom. Can I tell you, don't be quiet during the course of this series. In fact, on those Wednesday nights, we would invite and love for you to be there because I know you didn't get there overnight. I know you didn't get there without sacrifice, without difficult decisions, without hard work, without saying no to a lot of stuff. And your story could be the catalyst to change someone else's life. Who was I, ta I was talking with Miss Diane and she was like, I'll be there on those Wednesday nights. I I've been financially free. How many years, Diane, did you say? 56 years she'd been debt-free. But I love the heart to say, I'll be there on those Wednesday nights because she knows that her story, the wisdom that she's gained over walking that out, she knows it's more worth the immediate gratification of what we might do. So I want to give you three truths. Yeah, I got time. Three truths that are going to transform your, your money attitude. Transform my money attitude because we're all in this together. Look at somebody say, we're in this together. Just tell them. Three truths that'll transform your money attitude. Here's the first one. Number one, vision brings life. What's the book of Proverbs says? Where there is no vision, the people perish, or another translation says, they cast off all restraint. And too many people do not have a vision for their financial future. And when we don't have vision, we perish. We cast off restraint. We don't say no when we should say no. We begin to live when we don't have vision according to the lies instead of living according to the truth of God's word. And God says, you know what? I want you to get a vision of your financial future. I want you to begin to see your financial future the way I see it. And how is that? How does God see your financial future? John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. How many have got some of that in your finances? Experienced some of that. But God says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, is that just talking about money there? No, but you know what? God's okay with money being included in a rich and satisfying life. Malachi 3.10, what pastor read there, I can't remember if he read it all, um, but when you get into verse 10, 
After he says, you know, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, what's he say then? He says, then I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough to contain it. You want to get a vision for your financial future? See what God says about it. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I don't have plans to harm you. I've got plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. It's time to stir up the vision of what God sees your life being. To believe that he can bless you. To believe that this message is for you today. Not somebody else. Not those other people. Not those people who are older or those people who have a better position or those people who had a better start out in life. This message is for you. That God wants you to get a vision. But see, here's what you have to do. You have to be willing to let go of your lack and poverty mentality and grab hold of that prospering, rich and satisfying hope in a future attitude that God declares over you. I picked three verses. You could find a hundred verses in there. You know, in the Bible, there are about 500 verses on prayer. There's about 500 verses on faith, but there are over 2,000 verses talking about money and possessions. I think God had a lot to say about it. Jesus, 15% of his teaching was all about money and possessions, which is more than all of heaven and hell combined that he taught on. God doesn't back up from finances. God doesn't back up from you're going to have to have a job and make a living. God says, let me teach you how. Let me give you a vision of where your life could be. And so I want to challenge you. Begin to dream big with your life. Begin to get up. What are some things that you just want to do? Because God's okay with that. If you just want to do, want to travel, want to go some places, want to be able to bless your kids or bless your spouse with something, God is okay with prospering you to do those things. That's a rich and satisfying life. Now, don't anybody misquote me. I'm not just talking about money is the only thing that makes you rich and satisfying. What did we say earlier? That God's the source, right? He's the only one that can satisfy our soul. But we are focusing on money in this series, and so I have... No problem, I am unashamedly going to declare what the Word of God says, that he's okay blessing and prospering your life. How much do you want to give this year? Get a vision of it. How much do you want to give to your church this year, to other organizations this year? Write it down. How much do you want to give five years from now? Because then, then you got some ground to build and to run on to say, well, I'm here now. I could be here later, to live that generous life, to be able to bless those that you want to be able to bless. Everybody say, wake up! I love that song that Lauren sang, that sometimes we just got to wake up the vision of God that he speaks over our life so that we can see what he sees. You know, the big problem a lot of times with vision is that our nearsighted desires are clearer than our farsighted dreams. To, to put it in Dave Ramsey-esque, too many of us are not willing to live like no one else today so that tomorrow we can live into the vision of living like no one else in the future. We're not willing to say, it's like uh, Jacob and Esau. 
he gave up his birthright for a bowl of soup, if you know that verse. He, he forfeited his entire future for the immediate gratification of a bowl of soup. And we read that verse and we're like, wow, that's crazy. I never would have done that. But how many of us have not said no to that credit card purchase? How many of us have not said no to that stretch of that? Well, I should have got this car, but I stretched and got this one. Or I stretched this house, but I stretched. And we forfeit the future, the immediate, or the future for the immediate gratification. What if we had such a clear vision of the future? that God stirred up so much hope on the inside of us for the freedom and the peace and the generosity that we could live in, that that vision of the future was so strong that it gave us enough hope and discipline and power in the present to say no, to live into that. And so I, I challenge you this, during, you can write while I'm talking, pull out your phone and type it in, some pieces of that vision that God gives you. And then you can build on that over the course of these weeks of, okay, what's the vision that God's placing on the inside of me? Some of you are in financial freedom. You're not dreaming big enough. It needs to get bigger because God's blessed you and he's done that on purpose. So dream bigger. What could he use you to do? So the first truth that's gonna transform our money attitude is that vision brings life. Let's look at a second truth. The second truth is this. Oh, this is, I'm going to get a little excited on this one. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. Let's personalize that. Could you all say that with me? Say, I am not a victim. Now that's okay, but the devil's gonna look at you and be like, ah, no, I don't think so. You are too. So you must say, I am not a victim with a little authority and passion. If, if you just need to say, I am not a victim, if you need to shake your fist. So now I want you to say on the count of three with a little physicality, okay? I'm participation here, okay? This, you are not spectators here. On the count of three, I am not a victim. One, two, three. I'm not a victim. I'll be here, stand back up. Listen, listen, too many of you in this room, and listen, I, I have not arrived, okay? I have not arrived. Am I walking at the level of financial freedom that these two are? No, that's why they got up and shared their story. But I have recognized the power that when I know in my heart of hearts that I am not a victim, that God has given me the power to choose, the power to step from bondage into freedom, and some of you are like, oh, he's just hyping up, trying to get people shouting. No, I'm not. I'm trying to change your life. I'm trying to set you free from the bondage that you've lived in and you've accepted and you've said, I'm always going to be this way. No. That is not God's design for your life. He wants you to walk in freedom. But you have to believe it. You have to grab hold of that. Say, I am not a victim. God created me with power. He breathed God-like life on the inside of me and I have the ability to walk into that power. That verse we read in Romans 12 too, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the ruining of your mind. The Amplified there said maturing spiritually. You gotta grow into that maturing spiritually. If you're not willing 
to own where you are currently at, financially and every other area of your life as well, we're talking about finances. If you're not willing to own your current financial state, it's never gonna change. Because no one else puts you there. No one else is responsible for you, but you. Ah, but you know, I inherited this debt when I got married. Well, you chose to marry that person, so hello. Own it. Take responsibility for it. Because only when you take responsibility and ownership of it can you begin to change your life. To walk from that bondage into a level of freedom you've never known before. It's your choice. And here's why people say churches talk too much about money. No, we don't talk enough about it. Because if you aren't willing to own this area of your life, your money, your Basically saying, I refuse to grow and mature spiritually because you're going to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Because normal, like Jenny said, normal is debt. Normal is credit. Normal is I can afford the payments. Normal is not biblical, folks. And we've got to change what we're going to do to change the results that we're going to get in our lives. And that's why I get a little bit passionate about this because I myself have grabbed hold of that reality and I'll stand up and shout it just like Al did because I know there is power in that recognition. There is power in knowing who God created me to be. And I'm walking out of it. I'm walking into a level of freedom that I've never experienced before, but it's not gonna fall out of heaven. There's gonna be no government bailout or stimulus package, no lottery ticket win that's gonna bail you out. At some point, we've gotta stop calling mommy and daddy to bail us out and begin to trust Jesus with our finances. Because he's our source. Because he wants us to grow into a level of strength and maturity that we've never known before. And that's what he wants for you. Truth number three. Jesus must be in control of my money, not me. Again, I know this is rocket science. Because I'm guessing most of you in this room If I said, who should be in control of your money, you or Jesus? You'd say, well, duh, Jesus should. And we say that, but we're not good at living it. It's like my son, I'll tell him for the hundredth time in one day, Jack, you, you can make a better decision than that son. And his reaction, which I'm trying to break him of, help me Jesus, is, I know, dad, You tell me that all the time. It's exactly what he said. You tell me that all the time. And my response to him is, yes, but you're not doing it. And I believe that many of us hear this message and some of you in your spirit have been like, they tell us this all the time. And by the spirit of God, can I look you in the eye and shake you and grab you and say, but you're not doing it. And that's why you're in bondage. And God's saying, no, I want you. I want you to step into this. I want you. That's what I want for my son. I want him to make good decisions so he doesn't beat his head against the wall. Get angry and frustrated with this. No, he can make better decisions that and he can live a more happier life. I want you to live a happier life. Is money the only thing that makes you happy? No. Quit letting that little thought get in your head. No, but does God want to bless you in this area? as a piece of the whole puzzle? Yes, he does. But you've got to make a decision to say, you know what? It's not mine, 
it's his. It's all about control. And if you think it's yours, you'll want to have it under your control. By the way, if it's yours under your control, you got to take care of all that mess. You got to sustain that. You, when there's no way, you've got to find a way. None of this nothing is impossible stuff. But, but if you give God control, then, then you get the nothing is impossible peace. Otherwise, it's yours. Good luck with that. Come on, everybody in this room, all of us have done it, right? We've all taken control. We've all said, nope, that's mine. Nope, that God, I mean, you can have my heart and my time. I'll tithe my time. Love that one. The Bible doesn't talk about tithing your time. It talks about tithing your money. It's a lie. But we don't want to give him our heart. See, there's, Jesus came to be our Lord and Savior. And many of us will receive him as Savior to save us from our sins so that we can have eternity with him. But lordship is all about control. And so we'll take him as Savior, but we struggle with surrendering control. And what this truth will do, if you surrender control and say, you know what, God, you control it, not me. It changes your mind, it changes your attitude so that it's no longer mine to control. It's no longer mine to sustain it. Let me read a couple of verses to you on that. Luke 12, it's a parable uh, that Jesus told, and I'm going to read it out of the message. It says this, it says, then he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself See, he talked to himself because he didn't want to talk to anybody else because it was his money. He didn't talk to a preacher. He talked to himself, dropping that in. He talked to himself. He said, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grains and goods and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then... God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die. And your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. It's not in my notes, but I just feel prompted to say, for some of you, this series and these Wednesday nights are a just now moment. It said, just then, God showed up. For some of you, this is a, a just then moment. Not that you're gonna die, I'm not speaking death. But what I'm saying is God's saying, right now, right now he's showing up. Right now you're getting ready to make stupid decisions. Right now you're getting ready to continue the negative cycle in your life and keep doing the same things over and over again and ridiculously expect different results and it's not gonna happen. And right now God's showing up and saying, hey, I'm here. Don't, don't, don't fill that barn with yourself. Don't fill that bank account with you. Vacations and activities and hobbies and what you want now. Don't forfeit the future for the immediate gratification that you desire now. Right now, in this moment, choose me. Surrender control to me. 
Make me Lord over not just your heart and your soul, but everything, including your money. Because only when we make him Lord over all can he bring us into that level of freedom that every single one of us want. I mean, you could sit and lie to me through your teeth that you don't want financial freedom, but every single person in this room, you want it. For you, for your family, for your legacy, we all want that. And God set you up to receive it if you would just change your attitude. Set yourself free from the lies of the enemy and begin to grab hold of the truths of God's word of the vision that he created you to walk in, of the power, not the victimhood, but the power he created you for. And begin to surrender control of your life. It's time for us to change our attitude about money. It's time. It's time. And God can step you in to a level of freedom you've never known before. What if, what if every single person in this room made that decision? Not only would your financial future be different and your kids and your legacy, but what would, let's just put it out there, the future of this church be? If everybody said tithe, ooh, that's just a starting point, which really is, is what it is. 10% just a starting point. Living generously above that, oh, that's when the fun really happens. That's when you're sowing seeds and God's blessing and blowing your mind and all these different things are happening. That's when it really happens. What if? And so here's the challenge. We, if we hear all this and go to every Sunday and every Wednesday night, but we don't change our actions, it's gonna be worthless. So the challenge is to begin to take actions that line up with this new attitude. And so I'd like to challenge you to first do this. Start asking and answering some questions to yourself. Where am I currently at financially? Where am I at? What's my debt? Where do I want to be? Where do I want to be? And then here's the kicker. Am I willing to line myself up with the truth of God's word so that I can get there? Are you willing? Ask yourself the questions. Write, out, write down the answers. And then here's the other thing that's a very immediate action. Show up this Wednesday night and be part of these table groups. Um, we're going to give you as a gift this book and this workbook. And these bo this book, it exposes the lies, it reveals the truth, and it does it in simple, ABC, actionable ways that will change your life. And if you show up, we're going to give it to you as a gift. So you need to go out to that table right out there and sign up at the table today so we can plan accordingly. There's childcare, there's light refreshments. We're taking away all the excuses. All you have to do is take the action, sign up and show up. Some of you are like, ah, I don't, I'm not comfortable. Just do it. Just take the step. Just take the step. Because how many of you want to be completely financially free? Just say it out loud for me. Yes. yes. Yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's a yes, right? How many of you six months from now, do, do you want to have a regret that, man, I wish I would have done that and maybe I would have been different? Do you want to have that regret? No. I don't want you to either. We want you to step into a level of freedom you've never known. 